She's the one that said a 14-year-old child raped by her uncle is a perfect example of someone who should not have reproductive rights. A 14-year-old who, let's say, is a victim of abuse by an uncle. Yeah, you're, you're, perfect you're saying, example. You're saying carry she just offered 715 million of your taxpayer dollars to a Chinese corporation to come to the state of Michigan. Battery plants are going outside of Michigan unless they're owned by the Chinese and have strong ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Forking over 715 million in public cash and tax breaks to a Chinese battery maker. If things keep up this way, our economic interests will be hostage to the Chinese Communist Party. Live from downtown Detroit, it's No BS News Hour with my main man, Karen, you think, <laughs> you think, after blowing through $85 million for this gubernatorial election, like you could hire somebody to write your lines instead of stealing from me? <laughs> well, why, why, why not take what works, Charlie? And that's what they did. Come on, it's copyrighted. Well, yeah. There was, there was a whole lot more we didn't want to show off, though. You know what I mean? But I'm glad you're all watching because this is where you go and this is what you're going to get today. You all know out there what the hottest issue in the state of Michigan right now, right? Proposal three, a constitutional amendment to enshrine abortion rights of some sort into the state constitution of the great state of Michigan. But we're really not quite sure what it says. We're getting barraged with commercials. Otherwise, intelligent people don't know what's going on here. So I was thinking this. Why don't we actually have a debate, not the classic debate, but, you know, a gentle person's debate between legal minds. They can be in a room and we, the regular people, you and I can talk to them and they can present mm -hmm. what they think this, this language really says, because I think we're really being done a disservice well, with this. That makes sense, Charlie, because what you hear in the commercials and what's actually in the, 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 the proposal may be or mean two different things. So that makes perfect sense. And this is the legal world, you know what I mean? Like if we go back to the 1931 law, right? That was law for 90 years. Mm -hmm. Then uh, Roe v. Wade comes along and that's law for 50 years. And now we're on a new dawn and the law always changes. Nothing's forever. So I want to know exactly what it says. Let's find out. Right. Okay. Also, the monologue being the last COVID outpost in Detroit. Yes. Do you know City Hall is hermetically sealed? Do you know it's like still on like <laughs> semi-lockdown? You got to wear a mask and put your stuff in a bag and it's really weird. I believe that. You know what I mean? And um, you got to stay to the end of the program. I mean, you know, the, the last third, because we have, uh, don't play it yet. Count Barron's, Count Red Barron's scary Halloween special. It's a spectacular. And um, we're going to show you a little, the bloopers, the outtakes. But before we do that, I'm just going to give you a word from our sponsors. ADR, experienced, overseeing more than a quarter billion dollars in private and public construction projects since the turn of the century. Remember, with inflation, cost overruns will kill you, reduce your costs, get 
in on time, get your bottom line straight. ADR save clients millions. They're experts in procurement, government compliance, and information technology. ADR, honest, ethical, smart. Call Barry Ellen Tuck at 248-318-9424. Tell him your issue. He'll tell you the solution. Get the job done right on time on budget. ADR, 248-318-9424. You should do commercials, Charlie. I'm, I'm, not, I'm getting better at these. <laughs> and my favorite... Insurance company in the world because they have saved me $1,000, got me more insurance. Somebody's coming over just to look at the roof before I sign. You know what I mean? It's all super good. I've been telling you how Legacy Partners can help you with Medicare. I'm starting to get barrage with those things now. Really? The calls, right? They you know you're old. And yeah, I'm, but, but I'm not even of age, but I'm getting barraged. You get stuff from AARP too, and that's not, you know, so they're, they're starting early, that's all. Right. So now I'm going to tell you they can save you money and all your insurance needs, your home, your car, your boat, your RV, your motorcycle, whatever it is. The guy next door to me just bought, and I'm like, hey, man, you guys thought of Legacy? Legacy Partners? I recommend it. Look at that garage over there. See that? It's got coverage, man. What about personal items, Charlie? Char uh, jewelry, furs, of, things of like course, that? Of course, all of that. Okay. You know, like uh, sure. shop, shop, shop. They'll shop for you, get you the best quote, and you don't pay anything extra. You, you pay less. For, are you asking for a friend, Karen? Yes, just, okay, you know, gotcha. for the for the, right. for the listening audience. You know, if you got to take your nine furs to exactly. Dietrich, and all of a sudden a tree falls on your car and damages your little squirrely coat, they can help. Okay. They got insurance for that. That's good to know. The mink, the chinchilla, the fox. What else we got? The polar bear. The coyote, <laughs> bald eagle, <laughs> alligator. You got bald eagle. No, but they could insure that. Okay. All right. Here's what I need you to do: call five eight six two zero nine four one zero six. Tell them I sent you. Oh, and by the way, yeah, I told them I'm not. I'm not pitching that. Sign up for the raffle for the fifty bucks. I tell you what, the third person tonight to call Legacy and they tell me you were the third person. I'm going to give you 50 bucks. Hey, How's right. that? We're a little bit better than that. And now, the outtakes, the bloopers, before we get to the only debate in the state of Michigan amongst great legal minds on Proposal 3, a little tease of what Red's about to give you, Count Red Baron and his journey around downtown Detroit. <laughs> Welcome to another very scary Red... Damn it. Damn it, damn it, okay. Oh. <sighs> It'll be six months. So, ah, fuck this, my accent. Hello, ladies, how are you doing this afternoon? Should I ask you about this long? Oh my god, you <laughs> I bombed that bitch with a pumpkin. Oh, the shit I do for this show. <laughs> Thank God he does. Oh, and it's really <laughs> good. And it's, it's it's better than that? Oh, it's awesome. And it's okay. shot and edited by Baby Jesus. Really? Otherwise known as Zach Scrooge. That's that's okay. for your clip. It's really it's So it's Baby Jesus, Hippie Jesus, who is he? Zach, that's it. It's Just Zach. It. We haven't okay. settled in with him yet. Okay. All right, we'll figure it out. He's got his hair down today. Yeah, he does. It looks he good. Does. I'm jealous. <laughs> okay, listen. Proposal three, right? If Proposal 3 doesn't pass. Michigan reverts back to the 1931 law, which basically says abortion is a felony unless it's in preservation of the life of the woman. Proposal 3 claims to enshrine it, that Roe v. Wade will be enshrined in that. But I'm not sure by my reading, I'm not sure by the commercials, it seems to really stretch out to the extreme where almost anything goes. I don't know. Uh, Bill Sykley, who will be joining us, 
I did a podcast with him and he was shocked that I would have such positions. And I said to Bill, I said, right, Bill, I'm an intelligent guy. I'm a normal guy. And Bill, what did you say? You're not a normal guy. <laughs> well, look at that legal mind. <laughs> so um, before I introduce I, I, That's not a legal mind, Karen. I mean, that's just fact. That's, uh, <laughs> Karen, do you disagree with me? Not at all. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Thank you. That's a compliment, Charlie. Okay, before I introduce these guys, this is okay. what this is. What, okay, I'm going to introduce them and then tell you how we got here. J uh, Bill Cycli, mm -hmm. you just met Bill. He's an attorney based in Oakland County who specializes in cases representing victims of abuse, both sexual and physical, in school, both private and public. Uh, He's also a noted civil rights attorney. He also engages in corporate litigation. He's considered by his peers to be amongst the most distinguished in his field. And I really admire their guy. And, and I go to him for, you know, legal advice, not, not personally, but journalistically okay. when I need things. And I'm also really happy to uh, have on the program John Bursch, who's based in Kent County, Michigan, who's argued 12 United States Supreme Court cases and three dozen state Supreme Courts, uh, Court cases, most recently winning a unanimous decision in the use of the one-man grand jury in the Flint water disaster. Mm -hmm. Bursch is the former Solicitor General of the state of Michigan and a sharp legal mind. How you doing, John? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, really, thanks for being here. I hope all your friends can figure out how to be watching this. Hello, everybody, John's friends. <laughs> All right, but here's here's how I gotta say this. I was I was trying to figure out how. Mm -hmm. Can you move that thing so I could see your face a little bit? Like I don't know what to do, Charlie. <laughs> Why do you want to see my face? You know what everyone I look wants like. to see your face. Whatever. Well, Mark. I want to. Oh my God, you're more beautiful than I remember. Oh, come on, Charlie. Okay, stop. Thank it's you. Disgusting. With the sexist comments. <laughs> okay, so here, Karen and I, and and baby Jesus, we've been trying for months, right? No matter what you think of us, we're citizens. We haven't formed an opinion. We tried to get a hold of the ACLU that sponsored, you know, the mm -hmm. the, the proposal. Uh, Planned Parenthood. You also tried to get a hold of right? yeah. The, uh, what is it? Reproductive Freedom for All? I believe it's the, right. the organization. We mm -hmm. tried and tried and tried. Okay, nothing. So we just put this because it was, it was pretty so you got deep. stuck with me charlie is that what you're saying <laughs> well i'm gonna get to that and really pump you up bro like this it, it actually worked out for the better right because so. because you're not political two prominent democratic lawyers involved in this agreed to do it and then they got calls from the handlers hmm. you know who the clients and so they graciously bowed out by text and then a prominent elected official a county prosecutor, there's a group of them doing commercials mm -hmm. and videos, you know, right. pushing uh, proposal Proposals, three right. and happy to do it. I was happy to have him. John was was happy that he was going to mm -hmm. come out. I was really licking his chops and got the email and they said, don't do it. So I don't understand how a political. I don't understand that either. Right? I don't. We've talked about that, though, Charlie. Well, Karen, this is a show. I understand. And you got to tell them what we were talking well, about. Well, I was trying to see if you were going to finish your sentence because I didn't want you to tell me I was interrupting you. But we, oh. But, but we ha I'm trying to be courteous here. But we have... Vestigial anger from last time. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> I have a good memory. But no, we have talked about both sides spending an astronomical amount of money to try to drive messaging and influence voters, but yet not willing to answer questions that 
residents may have about this proposal and the impact that it'll have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it almost seems disingenuous um, and somewhat misleading because they want you to believe just what's on the commercial without delving down or peeling back the, 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 the onion, if you will, to find out what are the core components of this proposal. Yeah. Now, so here's, here's, the segue into you, Bill. I'm glad it's Bill now because he doesn't have a horse right. in this race except for his legal mind. And this is going to be great. So, gentlemen, without further ado, um, first of all, there are no rules, okay, except be gentle people. You know what I mean? S speak, let each other speak. And when you notice and I'm starting to get a little bit bored, let me have the floor so I can move it along. Cool? That's the only rules. Now, Question number one, I'm going to start with you, Bill. This is personal, both of you. Bill, you answer first. I think it's important for people listening, if you will offer it, where you stand on abortion rights, because, you know, I think that's fair, right? Because it informs how you're looking at the law. I think I think people need to know where you're coming from. I disagree, Charlie. Okay, that's great. So, Bill, <laughs> why would you disagree? So, Karen, why not? Go ahead, Karen, go. why don't you conduct the interview? Go, well, no, Karen, no, why don't you go this is Charlie's podcast. Yeah, I'm, she, just, she I'm just, just here for decoration. Well, that's fine. You but, walked in five minutes ago. So what? I'm here. Because you're here for decoration. Okay, that's, no, you know better than that, Charlie. Well, then I'm you kidding. just said it. But the point is- You must is, be careful what you say. Uh, apparently. Uh -huh. uh, we know that. But no, but what I'm saying is, is that are we asking him to approach this from a legal perspective and dissect- the, uh, yeah, we're going to get to so that. So his personal opinion is irrelevant. Yes, no, it's not irrelevant. Okay, because, then answer the question, Bill. Well, no, we're going to do this for a second because okay. I, I like this. Do you? Yeah. Okay. It is important because okay. people need to know what they're hearing, where it's coming from, just like those commercials. So if they don't want to answer, they don't need to. Okay. But I, I know exactly how people look at things. They look at through it through their heart. So if they want to mm. answer, they can. If they don't, Okay, don't. fair enough. You win, Charlie. No, I don't know. Oh, Bill, geez. Karen, please. I, I liked you a minute ago, Karen. You're going to give in to this guy. I'm not because so I'm can, tired at six um, o'clock. Charlie, I, I, I uh, you and I have talked about this, actually, and it's uh, it's a little difficult uh, for me to address this issue. But I'm going to because I happen to agree with you that it is important that people know where you come from. I think that I probably fit into the majority of Michiganders. Um, because my personal opinion and my legal opinion happen to be very different from one another. Uh, as you know, Charlie, I'm a father of an adopted, my uh, son is adopted. I'm a big advocate of adoption. Uh, it's probably been one of the most important issues in my life. And had Michael been aborted, obviously, it would have been a very sad, sad event for me. However, I don't believe that my personal view about favoring a, adoption over, over abortion has anything to do with this decision. I happen to know from many experiences in my life, including helping two women during college, my college years uh, get to New York when abortions were illegal in Michigan, that the decision to have an abortion is not an easy one for anybody who goes through it. Okay, it ought I'll, I'll, to be a decision. It ought to be a decision between the woman and her physician and her family, and or not what, what a have decision. You. Well, it should not be a decision in which the government 
decides to take out from the medical profession and inject into the religious and the political field. Okay. That's that, wrong. Thank you for your honesty. See, that's really my position, right? With some caveats, but we're all different. Uh, John Bursch, uh, if you don't mind, what, what is your position personally on abortion rights? Yeah, I have a different perspective than you and Bill. Um, I think the science is conclusive that life begins at conception. Uh, there's surveys all the time of medical doctors, biologists, and other scientists, and, and 98 to 99% of them consistently agree that beginning at conception, you have a human life. And the decision to take a human life, especially a mother taking the life of her child, is not one that we leave up to anyone. If a mom wanted to take the life of her six-year-old child, every one of us to a person would agree 100% that the state has the right to try to stop that from happening. If the child was two years old, we would say the same thing. If the child was just born, we would say the same thing. And there's no difference between that child one minute after birth and one minute before birth. And so just as the state prohibits the taking of human life in any other circumstance, uh, the, the state has the ability to prevent the taking of an unborn child. In fact, if anything, because unborn children are the most innocent, the most vulnerable members of our community, there's actually a greater imperative to protect them than any other life. Okay. That's my perspective. And shouldn't part of that protection be to ensure their health, their safety, their welfare, as well as the mother who's responsible for caring for that child after birth? Absolutely. That's why I'm so frustrated with our governor, because over the last two budget cycles, she has line item vetoed, taken out her pen and lined out $31 $31 million that would have gone to women in Michigan who needed economic assistance taking care of their children. Um, I, I think as a, a state, as a government, and as a community, we have an urgent responsibility to help care for those moms and kids, and, and we need to do better at that. But what about from a medical standpoint? I'm sorry. I mean, we're talking about caring for them economically, but what about the implication from a medical standpoint? We should be caring for them both. It's, it's not an either-or decision. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that the, the life of the mother should be sacrificed on the, the altar of the life of the child, uh, because abortion is, is not defined as one that involves putting the mother's life at risk. An abortion is when you intentionally take the life of a child. And let's say a, a mom has cancer, and so she needs chemo and radiation. And, and you know, as a, an, a side effect of that, it will have a fatal impact on the child. That's not considered an abortion. So in, in Michigan and all the other 49 states, to preserve the life of a mother is always permitted. That's not an abortion, and we should care for them both. I, Karen gave you the stink eye, but I think I agree with that definition. In that case, that's not an abortion. That's a, a necessary medical procedure. Now, let's, let's get, now that we know where you're whoa, whoa, coming. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. What? Wait. What? A necessary medical procedure. Yeah, to say, yeah, it's, it's, a, a it's necessary surgery. necessary medical procedure. Yeah, it's okay. surgery. So, so let's let's talk. Wait, are about we going to get to? Are we? No, no. This is, I well, said this. No, Bill. Bill. Charlie, I, no, you said I'm, that, I'm, I'm you not doing. I'm not doing that, Bill. I said be a gentleman. Now we're going to get to the legality of it. Trying. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. No, I want to talk about the medicine. I want to talk about. Well, I want to talk a little well, bit you're about not gonna, you, Not you only can, do I not know the studies that John's referenced. Because Again, you do it. No, I'm not going to go for this, sir. You you've had your 30 seconds. Here's the question. Here's what I want to say. We have a choice. 1931, only for the life of the mother, or Proposal 3, which we're going to get to what it actually says. 
Big question, number one, this is a constitutional amendment. Does this language usurp all legislative laws on the books? Would those be wiped out and this thing takes precedent? Bill, you first. Well, the, the answer is no. What this does, as I read it, is codify what Roe v. Wade said. What this does is it actually uses the language from Roe versus Wade, including um, in, including the standard by which any other law which would impinge upon the rights uh, referenced in it would be evaluated. Because Roe was decided on constitutional basis, um, for any statute to be valid that would restrict that right, it had to meet the strict scrutiny standard. Some did and some didn't. For example, one of the things that you see advertised is, oh, parental notification, parents won't even be notified. Well, that's not true. There, there have been United States Supreme Court cases that have been decided that parental notification is a reasonable uh, legislative objective and is allowed. Uh, uh, it was allowed under Roe v. Wade and would be allowed here. So, you know, this parade of horribles that the no people uh, cite, I just don't believe to be true. I've read this statute innumerable times now. I've been looking and, and what I think has happened really on both sides, but in, in my opinion, more on the no side, is people have done what in law school professors used to do. They, they would take somebody and say, argue this other side, give me the worst possible scenario. And they, they'd come up with a parade of horribles. But there's nothing that I read in this statute that would make any, I'm sorry, this amendment that would make anything different than what's been going on in Michigan since 1973, which was when Roe v. Wade uh, was decided. It would bring back what happened. Okay, so uh, that would codify what we have. Bill, uh, uh, John, Burst, your your rebuttal to that. Uh, I, I think that's incorrect. If you look at Proposal Three in its entirety, at every single step, it goes far beyond Roe versus Wade. And I hope that we get to explore many different aspects of that. But I'll start with the first one that Bill raised, which is parental consent and notification. Uh, the reason why parental consent notification is different under the Roe regime than here is because there is no right to abortion in the text of the U.S. Constitution. And so the U.S. Supreme Court was allowed to make up whatever parameters of that right it wished because it was not controlled by any language. But here we have an entire constitutional amendment that was written in a specifically broad way and words matter, especially when we put them in our Constitution. So what do the words of Proposal 3 say? Well, it starts right at the beginning every individual has a fundamental right. Now, first, that phrase fundamental right does not appear anywhere in the Michigan Constitution or the U.S. Constitution or any of their amendments. It's unique to this. It's elevating the right to abortion above everything else. Even more importantly, it says every individual. And that phrase also does not appear anywhere in the U.S. Constitution or anywhere in the Michigan State Constitution or any of its amendments. When it says every individual, that trumps any contrary statute. And as Bill knows from law school, the Constitution, when it's in conflict with a statute, always controls. And so if the, the Constitution says every individual, 
no judge has the ability to read that any less uh, broadly than what it says. And we know that the other side actually believes this, although they won't tell you that in the ads. How do we know that? Because Planned Parenthood and ACLU, two of the principal sponsors and proponents of Proposal 3, introduced legislation in the Michigan legislature in 2019 and again in 2021 to eliminate Michigan's parental consent and notification statute. And even as recently as spring of this year, representatives of the ACLU admitted that Proposal 3 would eliminate parental consent and notification. Now, some on the other side will say, well, there are other constitutional rights and, um, and courts have limited those with age. And they point, to, for example, to voting rights provisions. But the 18-year age requirement for voting is specifically written into the U.S. Constitution in the 26th Amendment. Uh, there is no similar limitation here. Uh, there is no court that will have the ability to constrict the meaning of every individual. And, and I think they did that on purpose. They knew that that's what they wanted, and they used language that doesn't appear anywhere else in the Michigan Constitution to get what they wanted. Bill, your 30-second rebuttal not, of that. Yeah, it's not that we don't know these terms. The right to privacy has been discussed in many, many uh, United States Supreme Court cases. We know what the right to privacy means. We know what an individual means. It's not just statutory law. It's also case law. And it's been around for a long, long time. So I, I, I completely disagree. I, I think that there's a difference between parental consent and parental notification. But the objective of this statute as stated, or, I'm sorry, is of this constitutional amendment as stated is pretty clear in, in that what it does is codify, <clears throat> codify Roe v. Wade and allows for other regulations as long as it's the regulations is not, are not intended or aimed at eliminating their cons this constitutional right uh, to control one's reproductive rights. That's not all that complicated. I, and in terms of parental rights, look, if your child is in a medical emergency, the law right now is that the, that the uh, medical provider has an obligation to contact. It, abso to contact it, it absolutely does. Uh, and so are you saying, John, that as written, this this proposal would supersede that law that's in place in the entire medical profession. A minor, I must be notified that in this case, with this language, I may not be notified. Yes, there is currently a Michigan statute that requires you to have parental consent and notification. But when this says broadly, every individual has this right without any age limitation that supersedes and voids. In other words, it cancels overrules. The, the statute. And, and, and Bill is right that, yes, we, we understand what fundamental rights are as a matter of federal constitutional law, but the words of the, the proposal are going to control. The Constitution will control over statutes. And that phrase, every individual, does not appear anywhere else in the Michigan or the U.S. Constitution, and no court and no legislature can limit that. They now, let me get to a, another point that Bill mentioned. He said that the, the legislature still can have reasonable regulations. But again, they wrote this in a way that goes far beyond Roe versus Wade. Under the Roe and Casey regime, a state can enact laws as long as they don't impose an undue burden on someone. Uh, so that means we can have laws that require ultrasounds, that require waiting periods, uh, that require health and safety regulations, and, and a number of other things. Um, but here, uh, this, this goes farther than undue burden 
it says that the state has to have a compelling state interest. And that's a concept that's well understood in federal constitutional law. But Proposal 3 rejects that standard. It redefines compelling interest in subprovision 4, saying that it has to be limited to protecting the health of the individual seeking care. So that means you can't protect the life of the baby. You can't protect against discriminatory abortions based on race, sex, or disability, because none of those have anything to do with protecting the individual seeking care. They have to be consistent with accepted clinical standards. But when you're talking about abortion clinics, who sets the accepted clinical standards? The abortionists do. And so when Michigan has laws, for example, requiring hospital admitting privileges and requiring abortion clinics to have the same health and safety regulations as any other surgical center, if the abortionists don't agree that those are accepted within their, their clinical um, you know, little, little monopoly, then the state can't impose those either. Bill, and lastly, okay, it can infringe on autonomous decision-making. Uh, so that means so long as the woman wants to have an unsafe abortion procedure with an abortionist who doesn't have hospital admitting privileges, um, she's free to do that. And the state can't infringe on that. Do you, well, let me, let me jump in. Let me jump in. Let me jump in. Let me jump in. Let me jump. Is that scare tactics, Bill? Do you, do you believe that's what? Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, th these are absolutely the scare tactics. First of all, no, John, read the entire section of that statute. It does. First of all, no, where where is abortionist defined in any statute? That term's not a term of art. You use it to scare people. It's, it's ridiculous. These are medical providers. Let's read the entire statute. It's accepted clinical standards of practice and evidence-based medicine and does not infringe on the individual's autonomous right. Bill, I, this, I, have, I have to say, say anything this. about it. I have to say this. It says, the language says, in the professional judgment of an attending healthcare professional. Now, you got mad at me when we were on another podcast. I said the current law is written, says the physician. And that it defines the other attending healthcare professionals as licensed nurses, et cetera. This doesn't do that. So I, I can understand where you, you thought poorly of me, but I'm not trying to be scary. I read this and I have a lot of questions. It doesn't say physician. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't need to say physician. The question is who can conduct an abortion, uh, uh, the, the procedure, that procedure, under Michigan law. And I believe that the present regulations are very clear that only a physician can conduct the procedure. And John, you're saying that this this new constitutional amendment would wipe that out. Yes or no? Well, I was making a different point. Um, so let me clarify. But we're just, we just moving on. I'll, I'll that Go ahead. Uh, just real quickly. Um, if the law has to be consistent with accepted, accepted clinical standards, that means abortion clinics control what the health regulations are. That's not a, a scare tactic. That's exactly what the words say. I'm reading that word for word. As far as who can participate, that actually goes to a different subprovision of Proposal 3. And, and this is subprovision 3. And it says the state may not penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action against someone for aiding or assisting a pregnant individual in exercising their right to reproductive freedom with their voluntary consent, not informed consent. Um, so what this means is if the abortionist, and I know Bill doesn't like that term, so we'll say if the doctor who is performing the abortion needs help and he doesn't have a nurse and he doesn't have a PA, and so he calls the desk clerk who has no medical training and they come in and they assist the pregnant individual in exercising their right, in other words, in getting their abortion, 
the state can take no adverse action against them. Now that language isn't in Roe, it's not in Casey, it's not in any US Supreme Court decision, it's not in any state Supreme Court decision that I'm aware of. It's language that was chosen specifically to protect non-medical personnel who participate in abortions. There, there's no other way that you can read the words that they've, they've written. And, and this was their proposal. Okay, okay. You know, let, they let had me, the opportunity to make it more clear. Let me now get to a, a very important piece here, since we're saying this is Roe v. Wade. Here's, let, let me read, actually, people for you a little bit, in case you haven't, okay? The state may, it says, the state may regulate provisions of abortion care that means they can put in rules for after fetal viability, not before fetal viability, basically that the baby can live outside of the mother, provided that in no circumstance shall the state prohibit an abortion that in the professional judgment of a, an attending healthcare professional is medically indicated to protect the life or physical or mental health of the pregnant individual. So as I read that, gentlemen, it says... Yes, the state may put in viability limits unless it's a threat to her life, her physical health, or her mental well-being, which could be depression. Is this a because Casey and Roe set viability limits famously after the second trimester? Casey said not trimester viability. Is this a gaping loophole that goes way beyond Roe v. Wade? I give it to you first, Bill. Uh, no, I, I, I just don't. I don't think. I, I don't think it does. I think that. Well, if you read Roe v. Wade, uh, it talks about the uniform abortion law that was in existence back in 1972, uh, suggested by the ALI, and this this term, these terms, come directly from it. John. Constitutional legal scholars who specialize in abortion cases recognize that a mental health exception is a loophole that you can drive a truck through. That's why Roe and its companion case, Doe, which included the mental health exception, are, are almost universally recognized by constitutional scholars who are pro-life and pro-choice at law schools all across the country to allow abortion through nine months. And let me explain why that's the case. Let's say a woman comes in and she's at seven months pregnant. So she's about 28 or 29 weeks. That's well after viability. At that point, you've got a fully formed baby that could live outside the womb. If she tells the attending healthcare professional, again, the doctor who's going to perform the abortion, uh, you know, it was a mistake for me to allow my pregnancy to go this far. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I'm having a nervous breakdown. And I don't think I'm going to be able to handle having this baby. And that doctor who would perform the abortion has the ability to write down on a piece of paper necessary to protect the mental health of the mother, and he's got a free pass to perform the abortion. Now, those on the other side would say, well, that, that could never happen because courts would second guess the, the professional judgment of the doctor in a situation like that. But they intentionally wrote this differently than the Uniform Act that Bill was referring to, different than Roe or Casey, to say that the courts have to defer to, and I quote, the professional judgment of the attending healthcare professional. Again, the abortionist, or if Bill prefers, the doctor performing the abortion. So only Except the doctor performing the abortion gets to decide if there's a mental health issue that warrants the procedure. 
Well, John, it's just not true. What you're saying is just not true because the statute itself says it must be consistent with accepted medical clinical standards of practice. So there is a standard and we apply it all the time. It's what a reasonably prudent physician would do. And we, we've applied that standard in Michigan for, well, certainly for the 40 years or so that I've been practicing. And it, yes. it, we, we know what that standard is. A reasonably yeah, no. prudent psychiatrist Gen or medical professional if I would might, have to certify that. If I might, I, I would like to ask a person who's ask, a, actually birthed children, does, I'm just, does the government even belong in regulating your body? If, even, even if you are depressed, is it the, the government's business to be involved? No, it's not. But I'll tell you this, that this is almost like every other law and every other everything. You can argue both sides and you come out equally confused. I, I mean, you can because everybody, based on their perspective and their ability to argue counter, counter, countering sides, sounds correct. So it depends on what you want out of it, what you're looking for, and what you want your answer to be, and the person that you have on your side arguing that position. So no matter what, you think we're just going to be litigating Pretty much, kingdom yeah. come. Exactly. Wow. Well, Charlie, can I comment on that? Of course, please. Yeah, well, first, Bill is mistaken, because when he was referring to clinical medical-based standards, that was the limit on the legislature's ability to impose limits on abortion not on the abortion doctor's ability to perform the procedure for, for mental health. But, but you know, if you want to leave that for, aside for a minute, um, the, the problem is these types of disputes aren't going to get to court because if you've got a county prosecutor or a state attorney general who has on their docket um, you know, murders and rapes and armed robbery and assault and all kinds of other things, and they see a provision that says, well, if the professional judgment of the attending abortion doctor was that she needed this for mental health reasons, they're not gonna bring the prosecution. That would be a waste of prosecutorial resources. They're, they're gonna lose that case in and court. And nor should they, because that's time. what the law would say. Right, the, the, the law would allow un, unfettered abortion access so long as they can check the box that says mental health protection all the way through nine months of pregnancy. And, and this language, you can't find this in Roe, Casey, or any US Supreme Court case. They made it up specifically <laughs> for this proposal to make the right as, as broad as possible. Bill, that's go ahead. Fear. Bill, right? go that's the Bill, word. Bill's, Bill's I, he's being a gentleman, but he needs in here. It's in footnote 40 of Roe v. Wade. I'll this exact it. language is in footnote 40 of Roe v. Wade. Uh, look, not I, the language know, of the professional judgment of the attending physician. That is not in footnote 40, Bill. No, the mental health exception is in footnote 40. Yes. And, and look, it, you know, we, it, it, John, you can take the position. I didn't know that. We're not going to trust medical providers. You, you didn't know what, Charlie? That footnote forty in Roe v. Wade lays out mental health exception. We, we've well, that, got. That's why I said God constitutional God scholars you, you, who are pro-life and pro-choice recognize a mental health exception in Roe and Casey as allowing abortion on demand through nine months. That's well-accepted constitutional principle. Well, I've got, it. I've got an answer. Go ahead, Karen. You know, I want to ask a question. I mean, how often did abortions or people seeking abortions, I mean, how often did these things end up in court under Roe versus Wade? I mean, was it uh, practice pretty cut and dry? Did, you know, were there any issues, any pushback? Are these outliers? Yeah, that, I mean, know? any questioning uh, or challenging Great. of the content of, of that? You know, Karen, it, it, it's such a great question because I think you've got to ask yourself 
this question. Who ought to be making these decisions? Who Who's involved? And the fact of the matter is, is that these cases end up in court because someone or a group of people decide to, they want to impose their political or their religious agenda on someone else. Mm-hmm. I happen to think that's wrong. I happen to think that the founding fathers were pretty clear about the fact that I'm not entitled to impose my religious beliefs on anyone else and that the government should stay out of these types of decisions. If you look at the history of abortion law, they certainly uh, weren't passed to uh, protect an unborn fetus. They were protect. They were passed to protect the life of the mother. So, and yet, you know, from a historical, yet, through all that historical business, the Supreme Court decided to punt, kick it back to us as a statewide community, and make that decision for ourselves. I want to move to this uh, second to last question. The state of Michigan, the legislative law says that uh, schools are forbidden from discussing abortions in the context of reproductive health, and that teachers and staff face disciplinary action today for their districts for referring or assisting students in obtaining an abortion. Now, when I read Article 1 of the uh, Reproductive Freedom Referendum, it says here, every individual has a fundamental right to effectuate decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, including, but not limited to, prenatal care, childbirth, postnatum care, contraception, sterilization. Is this language allowing counselors, school teachers, health officials to talk to my child about puberty blockers or um, um, sex reassignation or, for God's sakes, a vasectomy for a 14 because he heard, you know, you can reverse it, you don't get chicks pregnant. Does this open up that loophole? Because, Bill, this is the commercials being blasted out there. John knows it and you know it. John, wait for it. Bill, go ahead. Do, does that? No, I'll, I'll let John. I'll let okay. John go first because I'm dying of curiosity. Excellent. Would be on this one. So, so Charlie, you raised two issues there. And first, could a school counselor or a high school teacher assist someone in exercising the fundamental right that's defined here? And, and the answer to that is yes, but not from the language you just read. It's actually in subprovision three where it says the state shall not penalize, prosecute, or take adverse action against someone who aids or assists someone in exercising this right. No, 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 wait, pause, pause, pause. The exact language says the state shall not penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action against someone for aiding or assisting a pregnant individual. That's why I went to uh, uh, paragraph one, which is decisions in all matters relating to pregnancy, under the umbrella of pregnancy, including but not limited to sterilization and contraception. That's why I asked right. the way so, I did. So let, me, let me be clear. Then. I think I just got what, the Solicitor that, General uh, on it, that one. No, if, if you've got, no. I thought you were talking about, uh, if I can finish, I yeah. thought you were talking about an abortion. So if you have a teenager who's pregnant and a counselor or a teacher takes them to the abortion clinic, this says that they can't be prosecuted for that. That's how the state statute is overridden. With I'm talking about issues of sterilization or puberty okay, now blockers. Okay, let's turn to that. Yes. I thought you wanted to get to that. Subprovision 3 doesn't have anything to do with that. Right. But it does give a minor the right 
to do anything that they want, a fundamental right having to do with sterilization. And puberty blockers cause sterilization, cross-sex hormones cause sterilization, cross-gender surgeries cause sterilization. And the other side says, well, that, that's just a scare tactic because all these things are matters relating to pregnancy. Right. But it defines sterilization as being a matter related to pregnancy. And so if the, the procedure or the drug that they're seeking results in sterilization, the words specifically say that it's covered. It doesn't say that it's sterilization related to a pregnancy. It is. You're it right says, about that. You're right about this. That's right. reproductive freedom and that semen sperm does lead to pregnancy. So that's right. so that's sterilization this. naturally. I mean, what, Understood. What, what they do is they say the fundamental right includes but is not limited to sterilization. Let me Therefore, get Bill. Let, let me get Bill in. Oh, Go ahead, Bill. You got your answer. What do you say? Well, John didn't answer your question, but I will. Uh, no, the statute that you talk about that prohibits teachers from uh, teaching about certain areas would not be overruled by this statute because it does. Its goal is to not impact an individual's right to do any of those things. It controls the teacher's behavior vis-a-vis teaching. So it wouldn't impact it. So I'm you, not sure this is a very good law, but... Both legal minds that I highly respect completely disagree about what this says. Is that fair to say? No, I, I actually, I agree with Bill hmm. that, uh, that this doesn't give a teacher the right to teach about sterilization. But I think he and I disagree that this does give the right to the minor to have sterilization without parental notice and well, consent. But that wasn't sterilization part of the it, right. But John, the problem was that you, Charlie didn't ask that question. Okay, well, I'm asking that Charlie one now. I'm asking that one now. Does this give a minor a right to seek sterilization without anybody knowing? Without anybody knowing, I don't. Without think the so, parent being notified. How about just sterilization, Bill? No, Does it do, include do the I right think to sterilization? That a, does it include the right for a minor to seek sterilization? Yes. Is that the question? Anyone. Yes. Okay. I think that I think that the minor has the right to seek sterilization. The state has the right to require parental consent, I mean parental notification of that. But I also think that there's no question that the medical profession is going to be required to be limited to uh, acceptable clinical standards of practice. And I think that, you know, I think that there has to be some certification that the child needs that sterilization. Where's that accepted medical practice language in subprovision one where it grants the right? You keep using that, but that's the, the limit on the legislature's authority, not defining the scope of the right. It doesn't, it doesn't control the scope of the right of the individual. It controls the conduct. Look, John, would you, can we agree that the law, that the government can pass laws that says you can't do uh, surgical procedures in a non-sterile area? Can we agree to that? Well, if it infringes with the autonomous decision-making of the individual seeking the procedure, subprovision four says, no, they can't. Yeah, you see, th that's the absurd result that Those are the words. John what, gets What's to. absurd about that? Well, wow. No, I'm I'm tell John, you what, John. I'm, I get out. Go, on. Go ahead, Bill. 
fascinating. John, you just, you know, look, this statute does not limit the government's right to regulate the practice of medicine in reasonable ways so long as they're not targeting an individual's rights to receive their reproductive rights. As long as they're not targeting the reproductive rights. So the fact that you can't perform an act in a sterile area, that you, you have to have a sterile area to perform a medical procedure, doesn't mean that that's going to be overruled in cases involving abortion. It's a ridiculous proposition. There's no there's no statute that's ever been overruled for that reason. And you know it and I know it. And we can try and scare people all you want, but it doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. Bill, when I'm using the words of the proposal, I'm not trying to scare. I'm just applying their language. And I want to focus on what you just said. You said as long as they're not targeting their right to reproductive freedom. That's not what Proposal 3 says. It says that their right shall not be denied, burdened, or infringed unless justified by a compelling state interest. So that means even if it's burdened in a small way because they require health and safety standards or hospital admitting privileges, then the state cannot infringe that unless they prove the compelling interest, which as we just discussed in subprovision four, says that you can infringe on their autonomous decision-making. Bill, those are the words of the proposal. And I know you keep saying it's never been done this way before. That's because there's never been a constitutional provision anywhere in this country or anywhere in the world that has the same limited restrictions through plain English language that proposal three does. And this I isn't will, a scare tactic. I will and say this, say gentlemen, that, gentlemen, gentlemen, right gentlemen, gentlemen, here, let me, here's the totality of it, ladies and gentlemen. When you're looking at these commercials, when you're being told this is a lie or that's a lie or this is a scare tactic or this is what's going to happen, what you're seeing here, between two powerhouse minds, there's no doubt about that, that it's not settled, Mm -hmm. that we don't know, that I encourage you to read it, to discuss it, to open your mind, because this is only the beginning, no matter what. Now, I want to ask one question specifically for, (laughs) excuse me, for John. This is a, a procedural question. Let's assume that proposal three goes down and we go back to the 1931 law. Let's say the legislature says we need to get back where we are, where Bill's saying we need to get back to Roe v. Wade. Would it work this way? There would be some legislation, the Senate and the house would have to agree on it. Right. Uh, You know, terms of viability, all the rules and stuff that we have now. It would then go to the governor's desk to be signed. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Okay. Okay. We're going to, we're going to leave it at that. I'm going to, maybe, go ahead, go on, go on, bro. Give it. It, No, go. It's the, the answer is maybe. First of all, 1931 statute, I believe judge Cunningham declared it unconstitutional. So it wouldn't go into effect. It may be that we can get legislation passed. It might not be that we could get, I mean, you know, getting legislation passed isn't the easiest thing to do in this state at the moment, but it could end up before the Michigan Supreme Court and be decided upon the Michigan Constitution as it is presently written. 
And they, the, the Michigan Supreme Court, depending on who's on it at the time, could decide that the right to privacy exists under the Michigan Constitution, mm -hmm, whether it mm -hmm. exists under the uh, uh, United States Constitution or not. So it could end up there in a in a in a number of different ways. Absolutely, like that, this. I I agree with Bill on that. Yep. Although, can I have a brief comment about the the Michigan Constitution? Mm -hmm. um, the, the Michigan Constitution was ratified in 1963. At that point, the 1931 law had been on the books for more than 30 years, and as far as we can tell, there was not a single person who suggested that enactment and ratification of that constitution invalidated the 1931 law in any way. The only time it came up in court, the Michigan Court of Appeals unanimously said there was no right to abortion in the Michigan Constitution. To make up a right 60 years later, uh, you know, which Bill is suggesting could happen, would be the same type of judicial activism that the U.S. Supreme Court engaged in in Rowan Casey. There's nothing in the Michigan Constitution that says there's a right to privacy. There's certainly nothing that says there's a right to abortion. The reason why the proponents of Proposal 3 have put this on the ballot is because they recognize there is no right to abortion in the Constitution. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to wrap this up here. I'm quite sure I'm going to see you two in court, no matter what happens here. I, I, and I think the, the listeners, I, we really appreciate your time. It, that was fascinating, cool. illuminating, and I'm, I don't know. I just, but at the end of the day, I wanted how it is now, but it's not, nothing is in stone because everything can be challenged. That's to me is the, the bigger issue. So regardless of which way this comes out next, next month, I mean, it, it's, it's not cast in stone. I, I mean, is that, can, that's can my I, takeaway. Charlie, can I address Karen? Karen's got a better questions than you, Charlie. You mind if I address Karen? Okay, that's Bill Cycling. Th thank you for being here, Bill. We can mute him now. No, no go ahead. Now, Karen, no, no uh, reason to get insulting. I mean, He's jealous, Bill. Go ahead. I'm not. I'm complimenting no, Karen. I'm not insulting you. Licking your ass for 24 <laughs> hours. Please come on, and I get that kind of treatment. Anyway, no, go ahead. I'm just playing. Karen, yes, Karen. I. I the fact of the matter is that's the beauty of our system. And, and it's one of the places yeah. that John and I completely disagree. Our Constitution, in my opinion, and our laws were written to change with the changes in our society. And sure, w you know, it, it's difficult. And we advocate positions for our clients and we argue about things. And as systems change, as medicine changes, as the times changes, the the, the law adapts to it. I do not believe, and until the, until the 1980s, the constitutional principles were not that everything was written in stone uh, and you had to look at the, you had to be a textualist. That's a relatively recent development in the law. But, you know, one of the beauties of our system is that people like John and I get to advocate different positions. And it allows our society to grow and to develop, I think, in healthy ways. Um, I don't believe that we should only have those rights that uh, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington were thinking about when the Constitution was written, because we had slavery back then. Uh, I, I don't think that the 14th Amendment is limited to what happened in the 1860s. Mm -hmm. So 
I believe that it is it's those arguments that we can have that protect rights and expand rights. And I think we're going to swing back to an era in which we're expanding rights rather than restricting them, which is what we're seeing when we talk about eliminating a woman's right to choose what happens to her body. Um, you know, I, 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 John cited early on some stuff about life begins at conception. And I agree that that's what most religious people believe. It's not what most scientists believe, whether he says that or not. And it's certainly uh, not what most people in the state of Michigan believe. Thank you, Bill. A, a life begins. Bill, Bill, a life you. begins when it's when you can survive. Well, Whoa. So, so says okay, Bill. Cycle. Can be terminated. Hey, don't wait. Don't, don't, wait a minute. Karen might be smarter, but wow. I'm, no, I'm I'm moderating here. Thank you, Bill. Cycle. Go ahead, John. Last Hi, word. Charlie. Yeah. On this constitutional theory, um, constitutions are social contracts, and if they're not applied in accordance with the words that we use then judges can just make up whatever they want. And, and you may like the right they make up today, but you may not like the right they make up tomorrow. Few people know that the U.S. Supreme Court at one time prohibited minimum wage laws for women because they said that women had a freedom to contract. Well, that's not anywhere in the Constitution, but they made up that right, and a lot of people didn't like it. That's why when we want to change our constitutions, we amend them. Now, we're talking here about an amendment to the Constitution, Proposal 3, and you hear, hear, hear Bill and the other side say a lot, you know, these are just scare tactics. But every time he said that, I was pointing to specific words that had plain meaning that everyone can understand. If you go back and you watch this tape again, every time that he says, that's spear mongering, go back and read this as I'm talking about the words. That It's the words that should trouble everyone because no matter how you feel about abortion, most Michiganders don't want a proposal that will allow you to have abortion through nine months of pregnancy if you can invoke the mental health exception, abortions without parental consent or notification because it says every individual unique to this document, uh, don't want sterilization rights given to minors because it says sterilization, don't want the doctors who perform abortions to agree on the standards for patient health because we can't trust them that allow non-medical professionals to engage in these procedures and something we haven't even talked about, taking away malpractice actions by eliminating adverse state actions against anyone who participates in abortion. This would be the most expansive, extreme abortion law anywhere in the world. We've never seen anywhere, anything like it. And that is not scaremongering. That is the words that they chose to use. And they know that. That's why they wouldn't put anybody on here. It's why Planned Parenthood wouldn't allow a single one of the public uh, prosecutors to Bill, come be on your Bill show, Charles. Bill was good enough. He's always good in my book. I want to thank you, John Burge, Bill Cycli. That was deep. I got a lot more thinking to do. Thank you, gentlemen. I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you. Good day. That was uh, enlightening. That was awesome. It was. I mean, that was. I, I, but you know, again, you now, now you got to think it through in terms of the impact the implications i mean mark is shaking his head no but <laughs> I, I mean it it is and every point has a position of argument that's the thing you know it all comes down to interpretation and the ability to argue you know they, they talked about parental notification or parental appro uh, uh, approval 
I mean, okay, so I can tell my parent, but what if, what if they disagree? Then what happens? And then how does that go? And so it, it's, it's a lot. But, and, but, yeah. the, but the bottom line, and that's what I, I would have asked, which one restores, returns, or grants the most freedom to the mother, to the woman? Well, they well, I, I I would think obviously it would be proposal three, right? Obviously, I, mean, I, I think. <laughs> Having said that, what specifically is in it? Because we're all again being asked, right, as a community, whether you believe as a community, men or any have any say in it. That's what's upon us, mm -hmm. and and I feel that we, we should all do a little more thinking about it because this is this is it's a big deal. This is a huge. Yeah, it is. Now I I asked both those gentlemen about the legislative process mm -hmm. because uh, again, this should have been on television. Hmm. This would have this would have been a public service that nobody thought about or wanted to touch. If proposal 3 doesn't pass and there's a lot of reasons apparently you should think right. that it shouldn't pass and it goes back to 1931 and the legislature would now be responsible like they said maybe it goes to the supreme court and we mm -hmm. can we can dodge all that let's say the legislature passes the current law that we have the current law is no partial birth abortion mm -hmm. up to viability parental consent okay in these debates it took tudor dixon you at the top of the show right it took mm -hmm. her took her two months to come up with the simple answer of that's my personal decision that's how i'll vote but as governor i will carry out the law if the legislature came to you i would ask miss dixon if proposal three fails with an abortion law would you sign it yeah that's the other half of the that's equation. a big big fucking question not that's being true. asked the other on the other hand the governor says she you know Follows the letter of the law. She's, you know, the chief executive. Madam, if 1931 becomes a law of the land, will you enforce it? You're in charge of the state police. It's a felony unless it's the life of the mother. This part's not being asked. Mm -hmm. and, and it's legitimate. And it ought to be. That's legitimate. That's a legitimate conversation and a le legitimate question, Charlie, because it becomes part of the scenario should either of those things come to fruition. And you know what's not part of the question? What? The quality of American Coney Island. Woman run. <laughs> yep. Hey, that's a hard transition to make right now. That was there. a great transition. I like it. Oh, yeah. like Good it? segue, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I knew you were going, though. Well, it's, <laughs> Mark knows everything. Nah. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> American Coney Island. So good, even Al Roker from the Today Show eats here. Not like that other guy, Al Joker, who eats at Lafayette. So make sure you're a Roker and not a Joker. American Coney Island. They had gloves on. I'm just making <laughs> notes. <laughs> Sure did. You that was a swipe. Clean that place. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I pay I attention I to I stuff like that, mean. Charles. I, I mean, you know, I'm looking to try to see who's clean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I run past Lafayette to come in here. It's like, mm, I don't Let's just stick to American. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's only one. Everybody knows that. It's not a swipe. Okay. We, 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 no, no. I, you know, I got you. I, I, know. I just don't like rodents. So go ahead. Now, now the uplift here. Okay. For you. This. 
we're, we're not doing the monologue this week there, because okay. this this Detroit comedian Red. Did I do that right? I, I know it's comedian, comedian Detroit. Detroit. Just be Detroit Red. I, I know, I know, I know that you know yeah, that uh, Malcolm X used that, but it was uh, eight thousand other Detroit Reds before Malcolm X. <laughs> Detroit Red, the probably the the, the 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 becoming the greatest comedian in the country yeah, because because his stand up is stellar, his reporting is stellar, his skit material is stellar, and if you're listening, I I really encourage you either go on Facebook, which is losing its ass, ha ha, that's what you get for shadow banning. Right, yeah. or you go to our YouTube page and you want to watch this, but this is great. This is what what is it, Hippie Jesus? What are we calling it? Count Red Baron's Scary Halloween Special. Let's <laughs> ah, just just if you're listening, it's good. If you're watching, it's better. Let's let's roll it. Happy Halloween. Welcome. To another Count Red bearing very scary Halloween special. Between the COVID and inflation, getting fresh blood has been a complete nightmare. Normally, I would drive the Red bearing mobile, but because a lousy driver hit my car, it'll be six months before they can repair it. So I have to fly, to the roof I go. I got to get a short lata. So I'm going to fly. I'm not as light as I used to be. Oh, that kind of hurt a little bit. I think I'm going to take the Q-Line instead. <laughs> Hello, good citizens of Detroit. Can you direct me to the Q-Line? Ah, I see, I see. On the other side of Woodward, the train sometimes comes down. He's going to close the doors on us. Hello, how are you doing today, sir? Count the red bearing. Count the Dracula was a ripoff of me. Excuse me, sir. Do you know if I can take this to the blood bank? I need to make it with a draw. Hell no. We need to trade. Don't fuck with bloods. Oh my God! I think I've run into a gangbanger. <laughs> I finally made it. Thank God. Riding on the queue line was worse than riding in my coffin to go somewhere. On to the blood. I finally made it to the blood bank. Now to go make a withdrawal. This is official business. I'm here to make a withdrawal from the blood bank. That's fine, but there's no, uh, you can't take any camera, no pictures, no filming in here because people, uh, for privacy issues, but some people don't want people to know that they donate, so. What do you say, donor? You mean I have to give blood? I was told I could come get the blood. Well, this is a plasma bank, not a blood bank. You might want to try the Red Cross. The Red Cross. Oh, I don't like crosses at all. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'm Count the Red Bearing. Does this guy not know who I am? I am Count the Red Bearing. I should bite him on the neck. <sighs> this sucks. No blood. And I have to ride the queue line back home. The fucking thing goes in a circle. <laughs> oh, that's really scary. 
That is hilarious. Oh my God. That's a fucking A plus. He's gonna be the first person to win an award for this podcast. <laughs> I mean, what have, what have what have we had in this city? Like Count Scary, yeah, mm-hmm. Sir Graves Gasly, Sir Graves Gasly, yeah. right? Uh, the Ghoul, the Ghoul, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And it's really, it's just red now. It's a, it's red now. Red's Red's reinvented it's his time. it. It's his time. And that was cool. And look at that comedy. That guy, he was just riffing. Nothing was written. He's yeah. he's just. Tell me a comedian just doing that. But he's 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 quick on his feet. And, you know, I'll have to tell you this. There's only one other comedian that makes me laugh. Uh, Red is the the second. So that's a good one. So follow him at, uh, hey, what's your handle, bro? Right. Follow him there. <laughs> he's so quick on his feet. It's like he's he's a different kind of vampire. You can actually see him in a picture, but you can't hear his is he voice. Is the Normandy? Yeah, he's still yeah. at the Normandy working okay. on That's a, another one. That, okay. that That's coming soon, too. Zagro, beautiful work on that. That was, was great. great. Yep. Happy was Halloween, everybody. We'll replay that on Monday. Okay. Good Thank to you. see you, Karen. Thank you. You too.